Welcome to episode 18 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. These next two episodes are unique and really exciting, especially for you and me, Mm -hmm. as um, we're going to take these next two episodes and talk about our week-long trip to Pakistan. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time we've actually said the word Pakistan, the country we've been in. Um, just because uh, we felt like we need to, to not say that before we got there, and we're just feeling um, that we should now. So there you go. Mm-hmm. And um, we are talking in this first episode about the emergency last-minute miraculous departure mm-hmm. story that we had to make, and that... Uh, is what this episode is going to be all about, that story, uh, crazy, crazy story. We are still shaking our heads and so, so thankful that we are back home. Yeah, and an that's, experience that's that's surreal and hard to put into words. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out how do we even put this into words, and then we're like, we have a podcast. <laughs> we should just spill all the beans in the podcast yep. and be able to share the story that way. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start by just setting the stage for the whole trip and the whole connection, the whole relational connection we have with this community of Christians in Pakistan. Um, And then I'm going to let you know what's going on there right now. And then we're going to do a little more stage setting. We'll talk just briefly about our week of ministry there and the people there. But then most of that will come out in the following episode. Uh, But I became connected to this community of Christians literally one year ago during this time. And since then, uh, we've been building relationship, and then I've been teaching uh, via technology in multiple settings, multiple locations, um, multiple times over there, and uh, also raising support for food and equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the it's 2% Christian in a 96% Muslim country. And the Christians are the poorest of the poor. And this ministry over there is reaching out in their area, uh, not just their town, but in the surrounding villages and teaching and supporting and helping the community of Christians that is within, if you want to call it reasonable driving distance. I don't know. Some of our drives didn't seem all that reasonable. Um, But yeah, especially driving in Pakistan, which is a whole nother story Mm -hmm. in itself. Um, And I'm also partnered with another nonprofit called Lift Them Up. And I want to say what is happening over there right now. So within 24 hours after our emergency departure, Um, the whole country went into a hard, hard, hard three-week lockdown. So they are just five days into this three-week lockdown where no one can work, no banks are open, no stores are open, including grocery stores and markets. There is nothing open. So they had a 36 to 48-hour warning to gather enough food to feed themselves for three weeks. And so our nonprofit, Worship is Life, this other nonprofit was even in those hours sending money 
to them to be able to help support at least 150 Christian families to get through these next three weeks. So um, if you right now want to donate to that effort, you can do so through our website, worshipislife.org, or the other nonprofit website, which is liftthemup.org. We'll mention it again at the end, and it will be in the show notes as well. One of the things that uh, I partnered with the other nonprofit to do was to help open a grocery store. So the couple that pastors the sister church, who is our main host, we uh, financed them opening a grocery store. And so that grocery store is now supporting their family. Um, and now they use the offerings that come in on the weekends, the small offerings that come in to help support other people. So originally we had a planned trip for March and the leader of the other nonprofit was supposed to be coming. And then another person from another country where they serve in was supposed to be coming uh, to just scope things out there because they had never been on the ground. There's been no boots on the ground there at all. We were actually, since this ministry started 10 years ago over there, we were the first guest that they have had. So we had a trip planned for March. That got, that got canceled. Then they were thinking October. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, can you come the end of April? So we all applied for our visas. The leader, director of the other nonprofit never got her visa approved. Taylor and I did. Um, then all of a sudden, one day when we were on a trip, I checked the air flights and they had dropped to a ridiculously cheap price. So we nabbed those airline tickets and we planned on going, even though there were many <laughs> compelling reasons mm -hmm. not to go. Um, it's a closed country. No outside Christian ministries allowed in. Um, 20 miles from the India border where COVID, as we all know, is running rampant. Mm -hmm. COVID is ramping up in Pakistan. They actually call this their third wave, which is why they just shut down, hard shut down for three weeks. Uh, just the week before we went, there was a countrywide protest um, where police were literally shooting into groups of protesters. The, uh, America had issued uh, a level four no travel advisory. I was taking you, Taylor, my son, which that mm -hmm. had my attention and had my wife, Brenda, your mom's attention. We're actually recording this on Mother's Day, and uh, my worst fear was calling her and saying, uh, this is what happened to our son just now. Mm -hmm. I did not want to ever have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I was even checking my life insurance coverage to make sure I was still covered since That's I was going crazy. to a country that had a level four no travel advisory. Um, one of my greatest fears right up there was uh, not getting back for uh, my grandson's baby dedication, which was just yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. And so with all that, I just want to share just a brief challenge and encouragement and insight to our listeners. Um, and I call it, um, well, there's, there's several tensions. When you become a child of God, there's several tensions that we live in, in the tension between this earth and his kingdom. And one of those tensions is this, the tension of using our understanding, but not leaning on our understanding. Mm -hmm. So God has given us understanding. He's given us wisdom. He's given us 
logic. So there's that understanding that is God-given. But then it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend or trust in your own understanding more than you're trusting what you're hearing or sensing God to say. Mm -hmm. And that's what this was all about. There was, I had lots of reasons in my own head screaming of saying it does not make sense to go right now. But at the same time, there was this strong sense, word, impression, voice from God saying, go. And that's a tension that we all live in. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners, when you have a sense like that, when you have um, an impression like that, when you hear something, it gets confirmed in different ways, and it doesn't make sense, that's when God calls us not to lean on our own understanding. Matter of fact, I would say Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I would say that is one of, if not the best definition of faith in all of scripture, trusting and depending what you're hearing or sensing God say. Yeah, which is and, what faith is all about. Yeah, and I was the word, the lyrics. I mean, the um, the lyrics, the the verbiage. I was thinking of putting it in as you were speaking was living by faith, not by sight. And we say yeah. that a lot, but I've been learning a lot about that this year. Where oh man, rubber meets the road, and then that that um, that phrase comes to mind. It's like yeah, I want to live by sight. I habitually live by sight. It makes sense to live by sight, but I'm called in this moment to live by faith, not by sight. And what a, what a, what a serious tension. I mean, you know, like you said, reasons in both of our own heads not to go. And sometimes it's like, well, maybe it just worked out because coincidence and it still wasn't smart. I mean, there's all these doubts and thoughts. And I think, you know, when we're doing kingdom work, the enemy tries to prevent God's work from being done and all these things coming in from every angle. Uh, just doing our best, and we want to encourage you to continue to lean. We believe that the Spirit gives us wisdom and will lead us, but part of our job is to not, you know, live by sight, but instead to live by faith. And lastly, lastly, just let me say, that is a picture of relationship, which is what this podcast is all about. Uh, Trusting and depending on God is the picture of relationship. Mm -hmm. So before we get into the story, we do want to say... Not in detail, but what an amazing week we had Mm -hmm. with these people. Um, Yeah, we'll go into it more next week, but just the people there, the way we were treated by them, respected by them, protected by them, provided by them, um, was just like nothing either one of us Mm -hmm. had experienced. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I've ever been treated like that in my life. And it was a whole week of just being honored and respected and, um, yeah. I mean, being even brought in, you know, try not to share too many details now, but brought into villages and just the, the level of honor that we were given in such an honoring culture was really astounding. Um, and 
just yeah, and all the different ministry opportunities we had. We're really looking forward to sharing that next week and hope you tune in. And again, if you're out there and you've been praying with us or financially supporting us, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge thank you. Uh, it was an extreme success, and we're so glad that we went, and we're excited to share with you the excitement of the departure here. Yeah, and as you see pictures on social media, as you hear us tell the story, um, always just try to imagine as well that it's 105 degrees. The whole time. <laughs> Every day between 100, 105 degrees. And you might see fans in some of the church buildings. And there were a few fans in some of the church buildings. But we're talking about blowing around hot air with no <laughs> outside ventilation. Mm-hmm. Just 105 degree air moving around the whole time while we're sweating and worshiping. And it was hot. It was hot. It was really hot. <laughs> and, you, you know, nobody wears shorts. So we're wearing yep. long pants, uh, you know, out of respect for the culture and we did get away with wearing short sleeve collared shirts, but everybody else was wearing long sleeves Pretty much the, the whole time. time. Yep. So it was something else. Yeah. Okay. So this crazy, miraculous story, which is like nothing I have ever lived through in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, to set a little stage for the story, we were supposed to depart the Lahore airport, Wednesday, May 5th at 2.15 in the morning. So that's just four days ago. Um, 2.15 in the morning. That's crazy. The plan was to leave for the airport no later than Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. because the drive could take up to three hours, even longer, if traffic was normal. Mm -hmm. And the airport website, our research said that we should arrive four hours early for an international flight. So that was that that part of the stage. Right. And so we, yeah, so we didn't even get back to our host home um, on Monday until 7.30 p.m. So, yeah, so we weren't expecting to leave Monday night. It was just the day before our travel day. So we're yep. getting home. We had um, a birthday party planned for one of the pastor's kids. We had dinner on the way. Um, and so it was our, our last full day of ministry, and we were expecting Tuesday to be all just hanging out with the people, checking out the market. So we get home at 7.30 p.m., still wearing, um, for the first time ever, our brand new, I'm really excited about this, brand new traditional Pakistani clothes. We both have this beautiful shirt and pants and sandals uh, that made us fit right in. So those were actually a gift from our hosts, Mm -hmm. and we're still wearing those for the first time. Still sticky from sweat after being in the pastor's home and the upper-level sanctuary for four hours with a long meeting and those hot fans blowing around in 100-degree temperature, which we just talked about. So we just get home at 7.30 p.m. following that, that long day. So we're back in our host home. Um, stepped into our air-conditioned bedroom, which we'll tell you that story uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened, in per, in quotation <laughs> marks, happened to open my email on my phone, which that was always hit or miss because sometimes we had signal to get email downloaded. Right. <laughs> Lots of times we didn't yeah, have signal. We didn't. So I open my email. The first words I see are this. Your Etihad airline flight has been, and I'm like, oh, great. Our flight time has changed. What am I going to see when I open this email? So I open the email, and it says, our flight from Abu Dhabi. So that was one of our connections. So that is in the UAE, United Arab Emirates. So that was a three-hour and some flight to Lahore. So that flight from Abu Dhabi to Chicago had been canceled. And I'm like, 
what? We're going to be stuck in Abu Dhabi? So I, I yell out for Taylor, showed him the email. Our host came hurrying in to see what uh, all the commotion was about. And I immediately called our travel agent in Minneapolis. And at that point, it's it's 9 a.m. in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. And now I just got to give a shout out to our travel agent. So mm-hmm. Carlos Lopez, our friend and owner of Casa Travel, uh, has been just a huge blessing yeah. to me and our ministry. Um, but I mean, he was like gold. <laughs> during this time, and I cannot recommend him enough yeah. to uh, all of you. So I called him. Uh, he couldn't answer, so he, we did a lot of communicating through WhatsApp while over there. So he uses WhatsApp to tell me that he was a call that he was on a call and he could call in in ten minutes. Well, I responded immediately and let him know that a flight had been canceled. So he said, "Okay, call the airline. They can rebook us, and if not, then all you know our travel insurance would would kick us in." Because again, we are all imagining that we can get from Lahore to. Abu Dhabi. In the meantime, other <laughs> emails had downloaded, mm-hmm. and I, I'm pretty sure it was you, Taylor. I'm the, why you're looking at my phone with me, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. you're the one that said, there's other emails there, and all of a sudden we see one that says Pakistan travel restriction. Mm-hmm. So we open that up, and it says, due to COVID, Pakistan has issued a travel restriction beginning Wednesday, May 5th at 12 a.m. So this is two hours before our original scheduled flight. All traffic, all travel is going to be shut down till May 20th. Yep. So two weeks. So here we are. All our flights were listed as canceled because we couldn't even get out of Pakistan. And we were we were just like in sudden shock and panic, Panic, (laughs) shock and panic. Um, And we'll tell you why. So I immediately let Carlos know the rest of the story. And he's right away. still thinking at this point, we just had a canceled flight. Until I told him that. Yep. Yep. So then, and even that was still through WhatsApp. So he's Mm -hmm. like, all right, try calling the U.S. consulate, you know, there in Pakistan or the U.S. embassy. Um, and I did both. The consulate was closed. The embassy said there was nothing they could do oh. by this time. Um, it was like it was like 8 p.m., which was <laughs> the original time we would have left mm-hmm. to try to catch a flight. And I asked Carlos, I'm like, all right, is there a flight the next day? Because after that, it was stay in Pakistan till who knows when. And um, he's like, all right. He's like, I'm at the office. Um, I'll, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Well, what he ended up doing was realizing the urgency of the situation. And he just stayed right at home and started working uh, right there and let us know right away that there was the same flight at the same time. So that meant 2.15 a.m. Tuesday morning, which is now less than six hours from where we're sitting. And so every minute that ticks by, we're not even sure if we can make it on this flight, even oh, if absolutely. everything works out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't packed. We haven't, I mean, there's a ton to be done. There's a ton. And now comes the next big problem. So we've got all those issues going on, uh, but we had another, another major problem. So here we are. It's Monday at 8.15, 8.20, 8.30 p.m., somewhere in there. We were supposed to get our COVID test results by 6 p.m. But what happened earlier in the afternoon, Taylor? Yeah, earlier that afternoon, they had somehow let us know that we wouldn't be getting our COVID results for 24 hours later than we were expecting, which would have been Tuesday at 6 p.m. 
So we would have been even cutting it close to leave on Tuesday with, yeah, that, with those results. Absolutely. Not even sure what their timeline is, if they're going to delay it another day. Now it's Monday, and we have to leave in six hours, and we're not expecting our results for another 24. Yeah, so I thought we were dead in the water. I thought we are stuck here mm-hmm. until who knows when. There is there is no way. Because what had happened is, um, and our, I mean, our host and our leadership team, like they had connections with yeah, everybody. I mean, they knew everybody regarding any any part of life and business. Yeah, they and had connections. All different regions of the country they had connections. So, you know, we, we're three hours from Lahore. So, you know, Lahore be the, the closest major city. And these people here, they, no one in the area had ever been tested. Mm-hmm. No one ever knew. No one knew anyone who'd ever had COVID. So he's calling around trying to find out, you know, where we can get tested. Because I told him it's got to be a PCR test. Can't just be any test. It's got to be PCR. And we got to know when we're going to get the results. So he literally had a lab technician come to the house. Yeah. So, so Taylor and I get swabbed at the house, but we had a very lengthy pressing conversation with him because they couldn't speak English. You know, our host, you know, decent English, but strong accent. And so we're trying to help them understand, okay, it's got to be within 72 hours for the airline but if it's not time stamped on the day and we're three days before, then it's not proof that it's 72 hours. So finally, he showed me a result from his phone of another test and it had a time step on it. It literally had a time step on it. I'm like, okay, we're okay. We'll have it in 24 hours and it'll be time stamped and we're good. And then you found out 24 hours later, it's mm-hmm. not going to be for another 24 right. hours. Meaning it sounded like they didn't end up actually getting it time stamped. That's what it kind of seems like. Right. So we thought we were going to get him Monday evening. Then we have this emergency shocker going on. And in our minds, we're thinking we're not getting the results till Tuesday evening. So while I was on, matter of fact, if it wasn't for Taylor, we'd probably still be there. <laughs> because while I was, because Taylor's like right away, well, let's just go talk to our host, Munavar, and see what, what they can, and like, he had this stuff taxied three hours to Lahore. What could he do about it? So mm-hmm. while I'm talking to the consulate and to the embassy, Taylor, you're doing what? Yeah, so I was out. So you were in the bedroom with the door closed trying to talk to them. And I was, you were on the phone and I was in the living room, or I'm sorry, the kitchen. And I sat down with our hosts and I was like, here's the deal. <laughs> and again, the, the clock is ticking. So I'm like, so we need our COVID tests as soon as possible. And right away he picks up the phone to call him. And I'm like, no, 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 Thank you. I know you're trying to help me and make this as easy for me as possible, but I just need you to put your phone down for a second and listen. At this point, his wife comes over and listens too. And I'm like, here's the deal, you guys. If we don't get our results in the next six hours, we're not leaving your country for two weeks. And it sunk in for them a little bit how intense it was right there. And so he picked up the phone. He's like, I completely understand. I understand the urgency. Can I make the phone call? So I said, yes. He started calling. And I was continuing to relay more information to his wife, who's then panically pacing back and forth, trying to translate to Munavar Mm -hmm. while he's on the phone speaking Urdu with this other gentleman who already tested us the day earlier. So, yeah, just chaos happening in the kitchen. So then he comes in and says, okay, he can do it. He can do it in two hours, but it's going to cost you another $200. And I said, oh, 
$200 for both of us? He's like, no, each. Yeah. <laughs> like 200 Well, at this point, money is no object. I know. And I remember that like taking you back. I was like, hello, we don't even have time for this. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Oh, man. So now it is 830 or so. And we had to leave immediately. We're already late. And we hadn't even started packing. So I asked Carlos if he could just take over and rebook our tickets himself because we had to pack and leave while the COVID tests were being rushed. So then we found out that it was going to be a two-hour process for the test, and that process couldn't start till we had sent him an email confirmation of our new flight itinerary. He needed the airline, he needed the flight number, he needed the time, he needed all of that before he could even start the the two-hour rush. As well as our passport information, and it's just a lot of information. So so now um, it's 8.52, and I know that because I could see the timestamp of the WhatsApp conversation. It's 8.52, we're throwing our stuff uh, into suitcases, and I asked Carlos if he was emailing the confirmation. He said they were waiting on a waiver. They had to get a waiver to waive fees um, because of the flight change. And so, and, and now this is the main airline in Pakistan. And they have just been informed that all flights are going to be canceled within like 30 hours. So I was just stunned that Carlos was even getting through mm-hmm. and getting results and back and forth. And even though um, it was feeling like forever, uh, he was making progress in a, a much quicker pace than I thought mm-hmm. possible. But then he also told us that if he rebooks this flight, if he confirms that this book that this flight is rebooked, and we don't make that flight, which there was no guarantee we're going to make that flight, then our travel insurance was going to be null and void, and we would receive no refunds. Yeah, that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. But then again, at that point, um, money became, relatively speaking, no object. We just had we just had to keep moving forward. Right. So I'm. I'm, you know, Munavar is, we're, fr- we're frantically packing. Yeah. I remember at one point, you know, I'm trying to look at your phone with you, help understand everything. At one point, you just sent me to go start packing because yep. it, it became clear we need to try to leave tonight. Otherwise, it's not happening. Yep. So as that reality is sinking in, we're trying to make the best decisions. Um, like Munavar's on the phone with the COVID guy every couple minutes. And they're like, we need the flight information. And then I'm calling Carlos every couple of minutes. And he's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the airline. Like yep. I, and so then it's just this back and forth and nobody even knows what to do next. So Munavar and his wife, Koser bring in gifts now that they were intending to give us on Tuesday, the next <laughs> oh, day. And just this, you oh. know, they, it was, we were literally frantically packing. It was so and sad. And they just start just putting stuff on the bed and explaining what it is. And it was really sad so again, sad. because... Like we said earlier, we, they had honored us like we'd never been honored before. And now they're doing this additionally honoring gift giving moment. And we just can barely even pay attention to it. And so all, we're trying day, to- all day Tuesday was supposed to be our free day with them and going to the market and exchanging gifts and right. long goodbye and uh, pictures and video. All and like that I was said supposed to happen earlier, Tuesday. We were now going to be missing a birthday party for their son. Yeah. So we gave quickly gave them a gift that we had gotten for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, they're arranging for the vehicles because we had a brigade of three vehicles everywhere we went with security, which was another crazy story. Yeah. So now they're all coming out of their, you know, wherever they've been the whole time. And we need to make sure 
The vehicles are ready to go and cleaned out. And the security entourage that surrounded us is on the way. And so by now it's after 9 p.m. <laughs> so we've already lost an hour of our travel time. Originally planned travel yeah, time. Right. Yeah. And they were begging for goodbye pictures. So we took a few and we're trying to leave. And they're, it's, they wanted one with everybody in the room individually. And we literally just had to cut <laughs> that off, which was another horribly yeah. like sad thing to do. Um, and then he did a whole goodbye video and uh, yeah, right. So it turned yeah. into a very sad and rushed goodbye to the immediate family and yeah. neighbors. Yeah. We packed two cars, um, got around the corner and then had to stop, waited for the policeman who was a part of the team and security the whole time. And then finally on our way around nine fifteen PM at this point. Yeah, and I think we were waiting for the policeman because he was putting on his uniform. Because he That's wanted, what it was, yeah, right? he wanted to look official if we had any issues. Right. Well, even on the road, on the way there, I mean, if we get stopped by a police yeah. officer or something, you know, he flashes his card and shows his uniform and 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 gets us on our way. So again, the care and that they took surrounding yeah, us they really was, had it planned out. was off the charts. So at this point, we're literally on the road to the airport. We still don't have the email for ticket confirmation, which means the COVID test process hasn't even begun and we don't even know our results and days and weeks before we even left one of my greatest concerns was that one of us or both of us would get a false positive i mean we knew Mm -hmm. we didn't have covid we both had it in january um there wasn't you know there weren't any signs of of the virus you know in the area so we were 100 percent confident that we didn't have it but you know there's false positives here and, and, and over there, we had no idea if, if there could be a, um, a corrupt, you know, government type kind of thing, false positive to keep us, you know, so, so yeah, so we don't know and our I, results and, and on top we're on of the that, road. None of these people had any experience with COVID tests and we've in America gone to all these fancy facilities to get tested yep. and somebody came into our home. So we... <laughs> We're just trusting that it made it to where it needs to go and all that, all of that. Which <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sure some people listening are just either laughing or freaking out at that. But anyways, so we're on the road for about five minutes and we pull over <laughs> again to get gas in the cars. So we didn't have enough gas. So we're leisurely getting gas at this point. And well, then we, we when hear, we say we, we mean them. <laughs> yeah, we're just sitting in the back trying not to like explode. So in the back, uh, and then any stores and restaurants we find out on the way to the airport would have been closed after I think 8 p.m. They said so. All of these Pakistani friends of ours haven't had dinner yet, so now they're going into the gas station. <laughs> like we get gas, pull out, park, go in to buy food, oh, and man. we're just freaking out. Like like. Do I say something? Am I being disrespectful? Do they understand? But they kept saying, we're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. So then about two minutes after we left the gas station, they pull over again to get air in the tires. <laughs> and I'm literally like... <laughs> I'm holding need, you back. We don't need, I'm holding you back at this that point. That was holding me back. I, I, I think I looked at it at one point. Anyways, about 30 minutes into the trip, so 30 minutes later, we realized that our driver was taking his time because he goes, so your flight is at 4.15 a.m. and you need to just be there by 2.15, correct? And I say, no, 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 no. Flight leaves at 2.15. Need to be there at 12.15. And from that moment, he was booking it. Oh I mean, like, goodness. booking it. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever been driven faster than that ever. And we'll talk more about the driving next week, but yeah. that was the craziest drive we had the whole and time. And not just that drive, but just... 
I mean, if you've ever been in a third world country, you know what we're talking about. But if you haven't, you can't even you can't even comprehend yeah. what roads and driving is like. No, it, you can't. It, it's just no signal lights, no stop signs, no one paying attention to anything. People. Anyway, and next week sur- we'll talk about that next week. It was surreal being in a vehicle because you look out the dash and it just feels like you're in a movie. Like the, sur- the, the scenery and the driving literally feels like you're just watching it. And then it, you realize you're, you're actually in the vehicle. It's... And we felt experience. like we were in a movie just living out this story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like, it, it yeah. felt like, okay, this kind of stuff only happens. Yeah, to in whatever, the uh, whatever script writers, casters, and movie directors listening to this podcast, <laughs> if you, if we want us to pitch you this idea for a movie, let us know. Um, so we're on the drive. We're still waiting to get the confirmation of our airline tickets so that the COVID test process could begin. Um, And we're having the confirmation sent to multiple email addresses because there, once we got on the road, there was no guarantee, Taylor, that you and my phone would have any signal to receive Mm -hmm. any email. So we were sending, um, you know, our host email, um, yeah, doing whatever we could to guarantee that we were going to get that. And then you were constantly contacting Carlos about the email confirmation. And he kept saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And something weird about our signal was different times in the trip. One of us would have amazing signal and the other one wouldn't. I know, that and was it, so bizarre. You normally had a lot better than I did in airports and stuff. But this whole time from the host home to the car, to the whole, like the whole trip to the airport, I had amazing and you had none. Yeah. And then our phones are about to die. So at one of those stops, we had to get out and grab portable chargers. Yeah. It's just like thing after thing. Like if our phones are dead, what do we do then? You know? Yeah. So, um, so I'm talking to, so finally we receive the email confirmation at 9:42 PM. <laughs> and I mean, these people are amazing where every other sentence out of their mouth is praise the Lord. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. And I was joining them. Hardcore at this point, man. Lots I mean, of rejoicing going on. Lots of rejoicing going on. Thanking the Lord. I mean, I remember just eyes closed, bouncing around, getting car sick in the back. Like, Lord, please, we just, in Jesus' name, let this email come. And I literally looked down and felt a buzz, and it came in. So that mm. was a little mini miracle. Like, could have taken way longer. And we had, at some point, got... Um, Munavar had been told on the phone by the lab guy with COVID that... Hey, if I don't get this processed yep. in the next short amount of short time, short amount of time, I can't do anything for it because he's staying up now, hours after his workday, and we already paid him. But he's like, I have to, I need two hours to process this. So, yeah. so that was a whole nother thing. So nine forty two p.m. we get the email with the flight confirmation. So Munavar sent it to the lab tech yeah. to get that started immediately. He called him several times during the process <laughs> saying he would be indebted to him for like his whole life. His whole life. If he could get these results taken care of for us within the hour, he kept giving us positive, you know, affirmation that it's going to work out. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah. He did it. He got us the negative results. So then we saw those in person, more rejoicing, more praising the Lord as we received those results and saw the words negative. However, another moment of panic where he hands me his phone and he goes, look at my email, make sure everything's correct because you need this to be correct. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, my name was spelled wrong. And so thankfully it wasn't that big a deal. It was Taylor Marshall with one L, but our last name has two L's. Looked at yours, same problem. Yep. So I'm like, uh, can you do it again? What's this, like, they're going to look at our passport. This is not going to be right. And he moved our called the lab tech again. And he said, this doesn't matter as long as you have the passport number correct and the airline info is correct, you're good. So in the meantime, Munavar had been on the phone to confirm where we could now print the results right. because you need a hard copy to get through yep. security. It's mandatory. To get to the airport. 
so yeah. Yeah, so the rest of the drive was like this weird combination of just thinking of the time, clicking away, not knowing what was in front of us still, uh, watching the GPS, because they had a GPS right on the console there, and so, you know, watching the, the number of miles still to go, mm-hmm. watching those clicking off, watching the time to arrival, yeah. clicking off, and then taking any number of shortcuts. And now by this time, we're like a couple hours away from where they live, and like guys in our car, guys in the the other car, like somehow they knew like all these. Sh- yeah, I don't understand all these shortcuts. And one guy and one car would would turn like too early, and the car behind us would honk and like, no, it's the next road. Uh-huh. And so we're making our way to the airport. And I'm and- thinking like, I know shortcuts help, but have you seen any movie ever? We don't have time for shortcuts. And there were times where we we would come to a road that would be gate that would be blocked off, yeah. and we'd have to go around, go up go to the next side. And there was another right? time where he took a wrong turn, and we went down like this. Ex- ramp like quite a while yeah. and I could see on the GPS that if we kept going there'd feet. be a circle around but no he decides to just back up, and <laughs> back up. So we the went whole, in reverse about a half a mile yeah it's crazy back up the ramp until we got back to uh, the main road so um, at this point I was thinking okay if we make it there two hours before takeoff we might have a chance of making this flight with mm-hmm. all the different security ticket stuff um, we, there, there may be a chance if we get there two hours before. So once we arrived at the airport, the first level we had to get through was cars lined up to enter the airport. Every car was checked going into the airport. Mm-hmm. So they were scanning every car. Taylor and I had to both show our passports. Um, somehow the car that had been behind us most of the time was now in front of us. And our policeman escort, he had gotten out, um, I'm guessing, just to make sure that if we got stopped or slowed down, he would use his uh, influence to get through. So we got through that line, didn't take too long. Um, We squeezed into a parking space and I looked at my, my phone. And it was two hours and seven minutes before our takeoff time. So it was 12.08 a.m. And, um, yeah, so... And the airport suggests to get there how early? Four hours early. So yeah. now we have half the time we're supposed to have. Right, yep. Yeah. So, so Munavar um, jumps out, takes one of the guys. They hurry off to find the place where they can get um, the test results printed. So that was another thing, another connection they had, because our concern, well, the thought was, well, certainly there's a place at an airport where you can, you know, transfer an email and get a hard copy printed off. But again, this is Pakistan Mm -hmm. and it's after midnight. So, you know, you would kind of think any place I would do that may be closed, Mm -hmm. but somehow he knew somebody and the guy was going to be there waiting for him Mm -hmm. uh, when he got there. So they take off. We are just standing at the back of the car and I'm like, could we just like unload the vehicles and just move towards the entrance just to to save some seconds? You know, so we did that. And so we were at one entrance and I looked down where it said departures and there was like this mass of people Mm -hmm. standing out in front of the departure entrance. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I said to our policeman friend, I'm like, is that like the line for security just to get in the door? And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you able to help us get to the front of any of these lines? Like, absolutely, I'll give you the front. I'm like, okay, okay. Right, praise the Lord. Well, when we got up there, it wasn't as bad as I thought because most of those people were waiting, and he did take us up to the door. But at that point, um, we we got right we got right inside. I the think door. about the fact, like what you just said before that policeman sentence was, you know, somehow he had a connection to get it printed off in the airport. It's like. Yeah. That seems like a little thing, but they won't let us out of the country without a hard copy. So it's a big deal. 
And the fact that every one of these things, it's like so many little actual miracles. Of all these details that we're describing, if one of them doesn't happen, we don't make that flight. That's what's and so literally fascinating still about it and even surreal to me right now is because we have pages of notes of details to try to remember all of this as we're going through this. <laughs> and if one of the, I don't know, 100 details doesn't happen. Yep. So a few minutes later, Munavar comes running over with our printed copies uh, and we're all headed, you know, double check our information, make sure it's right. And we're headed to the departure entrance. Um, and this is where, you know, we were moving frantic, uh, frank, we were moving frantically, uh, the whole time on edge, you know, fighting irritability, trying to trust the Lord. They're being amazing and encouraging us and say, you're our responsibility. Don't worry about it. But it's like, we're we're to, we're kicking into American time here, trying to yeah. what what do we need to do, trying to like make sure that language barrier isn't an issue. We're very, as you can imagine, on the ball because this is feeling like a life or death kind of situation. And so we finally get the opportunity to go in. We still don't even know if we'll technically make our flight. And I stop and realize this is goodbye and turn around and all of the faces mm. of these people that mm. we've been with for a week, mm. 24-7, sleeping outside our bedroom, keeping mm. us safe, making us all these meals. They're just like, mm. they just kind of like, you know, it hits them. We're leaving. Yeah. Don't know if we'll see you ever again. You know, all this different stuff. They and were like, it was like they were a combination of is they of in shock, but resigned that mm -hmm. there was no other option. Yeah, there's nothing else that we could do. And again, you know, just the difficulty of not saying goodbye properly in their culture was another, because yeah. it's such a community based culture. So everything they do is together and shared like way more like that, that even pulled us out of our comfort zone a couple of times, like pulling out a snack in the room quick and we're all sharing it just because that's how it goes. And it was yeah. so cool to see that even if it was difficult for us in the moment. So what I'm trying to explain is that irritability and frustratedness of having to be quick that I felt that then broke when I turned around and saw these people that I've come now to love and who have been sacrificing for us up until that moment. And that mm -hmm. was the best that they could do. Yeah. And now we have to hug them goodbye. So I'm hugging Munavar and it's, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. I'm a pretty emotional person, but when I'm in performance mode or go mode, I'm not really. So I, I kind of can like bulldoze through situations and emotions to get a job done. But in my inner self, I'm really emotional. So when, when emotions hit me, I'm never, I'm not always sure how it's going to process. Sometimes something impacts me really deeply, but sometimes it takes a lot for that to happen. So mm -hmm. I'm hugging Munavar and I'm tearing up. I'm not feeling like this gut-wrenching sadness or sorrow, but I literally cannot help but but just being cr crying at this moment. So he's just like giving me this huge, you know, amazing fluffy hug. Yeah, and he's, he's a teddy like, bear. He's a big teddy he's bear. The, he's the best. Amazing man. And, uh, and he's like giving me a huge hug. And he's just like, I can hear him talking through my shoulder. And he's like, I'm so sad. I don't want you to leave. And all these really encouraging things. And it was a long moment. And then I let go of him and gave everyone a hug. And at this point, again, the clock is ticking. So we're trying to be cautious. Um, and just these guys were calling us, you know, their brothers and yeah. father. And so a, a very emotional moment. And as we walk in, you know, the, the policeman's now standing by a Pakistani guard who's in a very intimidating outfit. And um, I gave him a quick hug and... And then I turn around one more time and they're just, 
they just like kind of perk up and wave really big. Yeah. And I was like, you're my Pakistani family. And, and I told you this on the air, on the airplane. Cause I was still very emotional on the airplane. Um, what that felt like for me, if there's any Narnia fans out there, it <laughs> felt like the end of Prince Caspian where, uh, the sad song plays and they walk in the, the tree branch mm-hmm. and they walk out of Narnia into the, the busyness of what I think is the train station and they turn around and it's just gone. And it's like so surreal culture shock. That kind of thing was happening for me in that moment. Cause again, mm-hmm. Will we ever be allowed back in the country? Yeah. We don't know. Will we be able to make it happen? What's the future of COVID? We don't have any of those answers. So it was like, oh my word, am I going to see these people again? All that stuff was sinking in in that moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. So we're right at the threshold of the entrance of the airport and we're already being asked by the security guys to show our, our ticket. So I have to whip out my phone and pull up uh, basically a screenshot of our itinerary and show it to him. He's like, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. So I show that he's like, all right. So then right inside the door, before you even get to any ticket counter, you're already having your luggage scanned. So we had um, all of our stuff scanned already, showing our passport. Um, and, you know, every little step of the way, you just, we're feeling the seconds tick away. So we got through that, um, made our way towards the ticket counter. And of course, obviously, there's probably only one major flight going out at 2.15 in the morning. So every other uh, airline, there's nobody, but at ours, um, it's, you know, the line is packed, the check-in line is packed. And so before we even get there, uh, we had to show, um, or we had to fill out another form um, mm-hmm. at, before we even entered the ticket line. So then we get into the, the counter ticket line. Um, and it, it didn't take us long to realize that it was not moving. I mean, some of these families had so many suitcases and they wrapped up so tightly in plastic. It literally looked like they were like fleeing the country. And you think about it, flights out of Lahore are probably mostly leaving the country. So every, right. most of those check-ins are going to be international flights. So there's like a ton of details, passport stuff that just flying from like Minneapolis to Chicago, you don't really have to worry about as much. Yeah. So the line is not moving. However, at the same time, this was the first moment I had a little glimmer of the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm looking at all these people in this line that I know are in line for this flight. I'm like, okay, that plane's not going to take off and leave all these right. all these people here. So I think we can start thinking that we're going to we're going to win. Uh, and thinking they won't the leave us here, but there's still the small chance that the COVID shutdown could. Ch- you know what I mean? They yeah. could just cancel it. Or we still got to go through immigration and security. And yeah. yeah, so we still have some right. steps to go. So I'm thinking we finally, uh, finally uh, have a chance. So Taylor and I split up, you know, in the ticket. He got one line, I got another and see who gets there first. Kind of what you do if you're with someone at a grocery store. <laughs> Someone's like, okay, you get right. in that line, I'll get in that line. See who gets there, gets there first. And then after a check-in, then we hurry to uh, immigration. Right. So obviously another line, um, but went fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, security line was short. Like yeah. that was another little miracle because we've all been in insanely long security lines. Yeah. Insanely long. And it was short and they checked a couple things in my guitar case, which happened a couple different times, just having, you know, all the little strings and quarter inch and everything, you know, some, and we saw zero guitars in Pakistan. I mean, like there's, there, I think there's one 
at a village for like a um, like a play, little drama the the kids did for us. But I mean, outside of that, it was like a commodity to have that in that country. So then they're you know checking my case, yep. trying to figure out what's going on, um, and after that, went through no problem, and we're off to the gate. And then when we reached the gate, the flight was already boarding yep. at that point. Yeah, and we haven't talked about this in any of our prep for this podcast. But I saw the gate to the back left corner, and you walked to the back right corner trying to figure out where there was no people over there. But there was a man there selling stuff at his store who was trying to get you. He was, I think he was literally lying to you saying, Oh, absolutely. No, just sit over here. You've <laughs> yeah. got plenty of time yeah. right in front of his store yep. where there's clearly nobody there. So you were like, Okay, this man says, and I'm like, Okay, and I was trying not to be disrespectful to him because he's trying to like literally pull me over there. I'm like, just give me a second. I'm going to walk over here. And I'm like, Dad, it's over here. And then the guy walks away and you follow me. And so it's like another little hiccup that could have been. Can you imagine sitting in that guy's store while our flight took off? Oh, man. It wouldn't have happened. But yeah, that would have been bad. Oh, man. That would have been bad. So, yeah. um, And again, you can imagine, you know, when you go through something, um, that's just out of the ordinator, ordinary, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even common, but you don't experience it often. Um, it just always feels surreal. You know, it all, it's, all, it's like you're walking through this daze or this cloud um, or this mist. It just, it just feels very surreal. And um, there's really no way to describe the sense of relief that hit when we got in that line mm-hmm. that was boarding the plane with everything that we had had been through up to that point. And then there was still several levels of, I mean, when the plane finally took off, it's like, okay, they're not going yeah, right. to, they're not going to not let this plane take right. off. When the plane landed in Abu Dhabi, okay, they're not going to turn, they're not going to turn this plane, right. plane around. And, um, we FaceTimed actually, as soon as we got on the first plane there, we uh, FaceTimed Brenda. Didn't have a great signal, but uh, could let her know we were we were on the plane. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, um, I mean, it's several days later here, um, but we're still just shaking our head. Still, we realize that we will never really be able to fully appreciate the fact that we made that flight in the way that we made it. Right, because we're sitting home. here at our home yeah. in Minnesota where we very likely could and maybe should have still been sitting in Pakistan. And I just can't imagine, like, because we all know how the COVID shutdown stuff goes. Like, it, it it's set for this amount of time, and then it turns into something longer. So it's like, I just, I was on the drive from the host home to Lahore. I was trying to just imagine, okay, if we have to turn around and drive two hours back home, I don't know how I'm going to fall asleep tonight laying in bed thinking that this is the first now of 17 or 14 or 15 more nights or who knows how much longer. So we just can't thank the Lord enough. Um, He was in it. He knew the whole time. Um, And we're excited to share share more next week about uh, the amazing aspects of the ministry aspects of the trip and everything. And so... um, so as you guys know, maybe it's your first time on this podcast just because you're checking out this story. Uh, but if you've been here before, you know that we bring on an honorary member every week on this podcast. 
Um, his name is Billy Bob McCall, and he has been on this call. Uh, you know, obviously, this has been a live interview between my dad and I, but we still patched in Billy Bob and because he hadn't heard the story yet, so he got to hear it right away. And uh, Billy Bob, you are on now with Todd Marshall. Wow. I'm, I'm like, I'm like speechless, you guys. I mean, I, I'm not even sure what to say after listening to that. I mean, you talked about, you know, you talked about not having, you know, to signal good at times. And I, I, I've told you before that, you know, down here we get, you know, we get signal, you know, maybe once a week check things and, I was trying to keep track of what you guys were doing, and, you know, my friend was, was sending out regular texts and stuff, but I wasn't getting them till like, right at the end when, when things were happening. I'm like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what is going on? What is going on? Lord, help them. Lord, help them, help them, help them. And, oh, man, I'm just so glad you guys are safe, and I'm so... I'm so glad that, that you're home and, and, and well, as you know, you know, I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And, and I just got to say, you guys are out of your mind. You are out of your, what were you thinking going over there? At this, uh, you guys are crazy like a fox, as we like to say down here. What were you thinking? Well, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Billy Bob. Now you've been listening the whole time, and I appreciate your concern. But yeah, it goes back to that. It goes back to what I shared at the beginning, where sometimes when you sense when you sense something from the Lord as illogical or unwise as it seems, you just you just have that knowing. That is something. That is something you got to do. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I yeah, I know, I know. I've done some crazy things before, and my sweetheart is like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I I know, I know it's just crazy, but I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. I hear you. I hear you. And I know. I mean, I know. I know. I know. God always has a plan." I know he had a. I know. I know. I know he had his plan. I know he had a plan. I know this whole thing, this whole thing was 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 in his will, and he had it all worked out. Actually, I'm glad you said that, Billy Bob, because I do want to. I do want to just share just another little insight, um, just the just the different perspectives that are out there, and we've even had people say to us, um, you know. I'll, you know, just share different perspectives of, of when it comes to the will of God, uh, the plan of God, the work of God. Um, and I've, in my life, I've probably been all over the map on the different perspectives you can have, but I've, but I've, I've landed in a couple different spots and, um, just hoping that this encourages, challenges, uh, some of our listeners out there, but because I have realized this, when it comes to not only the nature of God, but the work of God, that it is mysterious. It is beyond our understanding, even though we attempt at every turn to explain it. 
And same thing happens with God's plan, God's will, our perspective. Uh, we try to come to a place where we can e- explain it. And so it can be all over the map. Some people are hearing the story and saying, hey, circumstances worked out in your favor, and that's great. Um, other people are listening to this and, and they're like, God knew all along, God had you guys, God, God knew exactly how this is going to work out. And that, that may be true. That, that may be true. Um, and I used to look through that lens all the time myself, um, until I discovered that, that for people who do, who do not know God or do, or are not at a place where they trust God, that 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 perspective can also be more of a a wall builder than a bridge builder. And even in my own life, you know, because if you're only looking through that lens, there's times where you can literally question the character of God. So here's here's the here's how I look at it. And if this helps someone, great. Here's what I say. I say God is ever present and always working. That much I know to be true. The rest of it, I do. I just can't say with a hundred percent certainty of it's like this with God or it's like that with God. But this I do know that He is ever present and always working. And all through our story, He was present and working. Wow. That's good, my friend. That's good stuff. I'm going to, I am going to remember that. And and I'm that's how that's how I'm going to live. I mean that sounds that sounds like a good way to trust. Good way to trust the Lord. He's ever present and always working. Wow, what an amazing story, you guys. Well, I am so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're safe. And I can't wait, I can't wait to hear next week about the rest of your trip. So glad you're home. God Thanks, bless Billy you Bob. I, uh, Thanks, Billy Bob. I was getting ready to interrupt and ask when he said he's had a fair share of his own crazy things. I'm, I'm, we might have to have story time with Billy Bob eventually in here <laughs> where uh, he stepped out in faith. We and might not be able to shut him up. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Well, that's our story, and um, we really uh, are hoping that you uh, share it to encourage people um, and just, um, yeah, just uh, opportunity to, to listen to a, an unreal story that's very real. Mm-hmm. And we do, uh, again, want to remind you that we are home safe and sound, but the people in Pakistan are going yes. through a very difficult time, and especially the Christian families that have minimum resources and certainly nothing stocked away as they live day to day. Mm-hmm. If they're no not working, they're not getting food. And so you can give through our website, which will be in the show notes, worshipislife.org, or you can give through the other nonprofit that we are partnered with over there, liftthemup.org, and that'll be in the show notes as well. And um, we're just asking you to, uh, to help out. And we will we will get the funds to them during this stretch to help them help them feed these folks. Yep, and we're excited. Uh, 
glad you've joined us today and we will see you next week for the more ex- uh, the, the more details of yeah. what really happened I mean we were in many villages um, able to feed children do a lot of cool stuff yeah. as well as teaching and music so we're excited to expand on all that yeah. next week thanks so much yeah we'll see you next week bye For more information and available resources, head to worshipislife.org. Or you can look below this episode in the show notes and you can click on any of the links we talked about in this episode. My name is Taylor Marshall and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.